You are listening to The Hemp Startup Journey. My name is Jason De Los Santos, co-founder of Spectrum Labs, a hemp extraction facility in Asheville, North Carolina. I'm sitting down with hemp entrepreneurs, scientists, and politicians willing to share their perspectives, lessons learned, and how we can make an impact on the hemp and cannabis industry for everyone. Welcome, everyone. Um, we have Marnie Coit on the podcast today. I'm super excited. We just uh, spoke, uh, it seems like, what, a month and a half ago, maybe? Marnie, is that right? Maybe, maybe a little bit. Yeah, a little bit longer than that. Uh, and, uh, and you're back already with uh, you know, some really important uh, information. Uh, and part of this was at, at uh, NC State, you put out a webinar uh, about the hemp pilot program and the expiration and what happens. And so just asked you if we can sit down virtually, I guess, uh, and just talk it over and just figure out what, uh, what you know, what you don't know, uh, and what's next and just all that. I think it's, this is a really important topic for a whole bunch of people in the state. So after that, welcome. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity to come back and thank you for inviting me. I always enjoy talking to you. And you're right, this is a really important time um, in terms of our pilot program. It is September 24th. Um, and we know that the pilot program right now is set to expire October 31st um, at 11.59 p.m. So I know a lot of people have concerns and some anxiety over what's going to happen next. So I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. So let, let's start um, with the pilot program. Um, what, that, what does it mean that it's going to end? Yeah, so the pilot program um, was first authorized under the 2014 Farm Bill, so the federal Farm Bill. And then in North Carolina, we started our pilot program here about four years ago. And so part of what gets confusing about the situation is we're looking at the intersection between federal law and state law. And we're also transitioning between the 2014 Farm Bill, which is federal, and the 2018 Federal Farm Bill. So right now we're in that transition period. Um, and we are also working under the USDA's interim final rule. So when the 2018 um, Farm Bill came out, when Congress passed that, they basically said to USDA, you can run this hemp program. And then the USDA came out with the regulations and the regulations first that we saw them were um, in October of 2019. And again, that was the interim final rule. In the interim final rule, it says specifically that state pilot programs can continue to operate for one more year. So because the USDA published their interim final rule in October of 2019, that one year time period is gonna be up on October 31st of this year. So I don't know exactly what that's going to mean yet for our state. You asked me what that means. The pilot program is ending. It means anybody who has a license that was issued under our pilot program, their license is going to be set to expire at the end of October. The one thing I want to be clear, though, is just because I say the pilot program is ending doesn't necessarily mean that people can't continue to grow him. And I, I think that might be a misconception that's out there. Um, what the issue is, we don't know what the program is going to look like after the end of October. We don't know exactly yet what licensing will look like, but the really, the other key piece of this is that we don't know if there will be a gap in licensing. So for example, if your license expires under the pilot program on October 31st, because we are not 100% sure yet what program will be under after this, 
we don't know if there'll be a gap, let's say until November 2nd or November 5th, or there could be a six week gap. I don't know the answer to that question yet. So uh, and thank you for clarifying that because uh, um, I, I thought that if that by October the 31st, you, if I was a cultivator, a farmer, I wouldn't be able to continue farming. So one thing I heard is that for folks that have seeds, plants in the ground, that by the 31st, you have to have harvested. Is that correct? So that's the recommendation is that you, um, if you have planted outside, that you have harvested by October 31st. Again, because we don't know yet if there'll be a gap in licensing. So one of the things that I like to say, the way I explain this is, let's say you are living in North Carolina and let's say you will move to South Carolina. You have your driver's license, right? From North Carolina. You have a valid license to drive anywhere in the US. You move to South Carolina. When you move to South Carolina, you go to the DMV within a certain number of days, right? They tell you how many days you have. You go to the DMV, they take usually a horrible picture, right? You have to do some kind of test, fill out paperwork, they take some money from you, and you walk out of there with a new license. So essentially, there's no gap in time when you don't have a, dri a valid driver's license. The issue with our pilot program is because we don't know what that transition is going to look like from the pilot program to the next program, we don't know if there will be a gap in licensing. So yes, the recommendation is if you're planting outside, um, harvest as early as possible and try to harvest before that October 31st deadline. The piece for indoor growers though is uncertain, right? Because indoor growers aren't necessarily going to be harvesting by that um, October right. 31st deadline and they have a rotating cycle of when they're growing. So I know NCBA is, is aware of that issue. They are working on that issue. Um, I just don't have a final answer right now. Okay, seems like that, that uh, explanation or clarification is gonna go, come down to the 31st at 11.58. <laughs> I, I hope not. Um, I don't know, but I hope not. So there are, you know, one potential thing that could happen, and this just happened in the last few days, is there's a continuing resolution for um, funding for the federal government, um, and that passed the House. Um, so this, again, this is in Congress, it's the U.S. Congress, so at the federal level. That passed the House this week, a couple of days ago, and now that legislation is going, I'm sorry, that bill is going on to um, the Senate. We don't know if it'll pass or not, but there is language in there that would in fact allow pilot programs to continue until um, I believe it's September of 2021. Gotcha. But I don't know if that'll pass. I don't know if they'll be signed into law again. It's a bill, it's a bill. it hasn't been signed into law yet. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's gonna be signed into law. And if it is, I don't know when, I don't know how long that might take. So that is one potential path for how we move forward. Okay, and what was that uh, bill called again? Um, it is a continuing re resolution. Okay. I don't know the exact bill number, but it was basically the bill that would continue to fund the federal government. So okay. Didn't you that. didn't you post something about that on your website recently, or was that something else? I don't think huh? I I don't think I posted about that yet. Okay. Okay. Maybe it might have been something else. So um, you're recommending for folks to have uh, to have harvested by that that date. What's the possible repercussion if somebody does say, well, I, I'm going to give my flowers more time to, to flourish um, and they g grow past the 31st? What could happen? So the 
potential is that you would be out of compliance and you might be potentially doing something that is illegal because you can only grow if you have a license and you're following the rules of the pilot program. You're growing without a license. It, would there also be an issue with um, NCDA and getting, uh, I guess, doing testing? Right, like if, if law enforcement, you know, it, there could be some folks where law enforcement would check in and say, hey, what are you growing here? And, you know, show me your license. But the majority of folks probably now that that might be an unlikely scenario, but more likely would be uh, getting an approval of the, 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 the THC levels in their harvest. Could that be an issue or is that not the case? After, after it's not an issue until October 31st. Oh yeah, so after that, after the 31st. It becomes an issue. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's another big uh, Because man. that is no longer, if you don't have a valid program, then NCDA doesn't necessarily have jurisdiction and then they don't necessarily have the authority to come out and test. Oh, wow. You could still, yeah, you would, I mean, you could test on your own. You can send it to mm -hmm. third party lab. You can always do that. Um, but, but doesn't the farmer have to have some sort of a, an approvals to say, hey, you're okay to continue distributing your, your harvest? We might have to cut this part out. I need to think about this. I okay. think, yeah, because so generally, all right, so I'll answer now. Yeah. So the way that I understand it, and I, and I will say part of this is, is novel because we don't really have crops like this that you need to license for with mm -hmm. the program that's expiring. Um, but my understanding is if it is in the ground and it's still growing, then after the deadline passes, if we don't have a new program in place, you might potentially be out of compliance. But my understanding is that once it's harvested, um, so if it's harvested or if it's being processed or if it's for sale at the retail end, then it is fine. Okay. Uh, it will be in compliance because it was grown or it was produced under the rules of the 2018 Farm Bill. Yeah, sure. 2014 and 2018 farm bill. Okay. Um, if it is still on the ground, that's problematic. Okay. Yeah, I would just be concerned about somebody, I guess, someone deciding what to do, whether to pull up by the 31st or just risk it. Uh, and it sounds like some significant risks uh, if they continue to leave their, their flower in the ground past that date. Yeah. That's my understanding. And I, and I forgot my disclaimer at the beginning of this conversation, yeah. right? So I do work for NC State Extension, um, but I am not giving legal advice. Nothing I say is to be construed as being legal advice. And certainly this would be a good time for anybody who's growing hemp to, if they have concerns, um, to contact an attorney who works in this area. And we do have resources on our website um, where you can find attorneys who have listed or have chosen to list on our website. We don't vet them, we're not endorsing them, they have self-selected. And so we offer that as a, as a service to the industry. Yep, thank you for that. Uh, I almost reminded you about that, but you, you got it, you got it covered. We, we, we'll put it in the show notes anyway, like last time. Um, so with, um, let's see, who does this affect? Like I, I understand that this is affecting a, the hemp farmer, but is there, Anybody specifically that this could affect in a really negative way? I think that the biggest group are going to be growers because right now um, licensing and any kind of regulation in terms of what's being regulated in the hemp industry really is at the grower level. But 
if you ask me that question, those are the folks who will be um, impacted directly. But if you are not able to grow hemp for some amount of time, then obviously that's going to have consequences downstream, mm -hmm. right? So at some point, it, let's say worst case scenario, we don't have any kind of program in place for a few months or into next growing season, which I don't foresee. But if we just play this out, like what worst case scenario, um, if folks can't grow by, and they can't plant by next year, by 2021, then that would have an impact downstream on processors and then on the end product and on the retail side. But again, I don't anticipate that happening. I do think we will have something in place. Again, I just don't know the timing of it, but I think we will have something in place um, that will allow farmers to continue to grow. Yeah. Um, so you're optimistic that something will, will happen before the 31st. We just don't know why, or don't know what. I'm very, I'm very optimistic. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm hopeful. This is me with my fingers crossed. I'm hopeful. <laughs> All right. Good. And so, um, if this does, if we do have that gap of, okay, the, your license expires on the 31st, uh, I mean, there's no guarantee of when someone will be able to get the license from the USDA, right? So, I mean, typically, and no offense, but typically the government does, is not known for its speediness. So it could take a very long time to get a license. Um, I mean, is that, is that a concern? I know you just said you're optimistic, but like, I'm just trying to play out possible scenarios. I, I'm, I'm concerned and optimistic at the same time. <laughs> Um, that's a very good question, and I don't know because I don't know how long it takes to apply for a license from the USDA and then get your license back. I don't know the time frame that they're working in now. It might be a few days, it might be a week, it might be two months. I, I don't know. Um, I'm not familiar enough with how they're operating their program um, because they haven't been issuing licenses for very long. My hope is that they would be able to turn them around fairly quickly. Because again, you're right, we're looking at about five weeks out from now, which is cutting it close. Yeah, yeah. Um, as an extractor, I was trying to think through just what can, if that does happen and we have some sort of um, a, we don't get an extension or the USDA doesn't turn over quickly. And if it takes, I don't know, days or weeks or months, what could happen? I guess we, it would need to, a lot of farmers would have to be cut out, but the price of crude and, and distillate could certainly change, right? Like if there's uh, a reduced uh, inventory, uh, but even more than that, I think I'm just thinking about the livelihood of these people that invested so much sweat and tears and, and money to put these things into the ground. And, and I know you're, you, you've been doing this for a long time. And, and if you feel optimistic, it's pro probably part of your intuition. And that just, you know, if it were me, I would probably listen to you. But I think at the same time, I would be so worried. Just like, what, what do I do? Like, I guess, obviously finish out the season, but like, how do I plan for next year? Uh, so what are you hearing from growers? Like, what, what, what are they saying to you? Like, what, what do they want at this point out of this situation? No, I, I will say two things. The first answer to your question is growers obviously are extremely concerned. They're frustrated. Um, they're angry. And I understand to tie in optimistic or hopeful is because I think that the people who are trying to make this transition, um, trying to work through this transition, I think they are aware of how much money and time and effort people have put into this industry. Um, people will invest, we're not talking about hundreds of dollars, we're not necessarily talking about thousands of dollars, we're kind of talking about more than that, 
and there is a, an awareness of how much people have invested and how much farmers need this. I mean, from just the grower side, we're aware of what the farm economy looks like. We're aware of the fact that people got into hemp because it is a legal business. It was a legal, sorry, it is a legal crop to sell, right? And there's an awareness that people got into this and now we're finding ourselves in this really uncomfortable place just because of these, these issues with the law. Um, and again, it's that transition between the, the farm bills and then the interplay with our federal law. So that is the part that makes me hopeful is that people are really aware of what's at stake here. I'm very aware of what's at stake here. And that is the part that concerns me. Um, you know, I, I will say that we don't have to go back to everything that happened in 2019, but we may have talked about this last time we spoke, but the 2019 Farm Act, that piece of legislation that we have here in North Carolina, part of the issue that we're running into now is because that wasn't passed. So there were provisions in there that, um, that were very controversial. The most controversial was that smokable hemp ban, the potential smokable hemp ban, right? Again, that never passed into law. And I know that that would have caused a lot of issues for the industry. The flip side of that though, or the other side of that is also in that piece of legislation, there was language that would have allowed NCBA to submit a state plan to USDA. So potentially if that had passed, we would, be, we would have been able to submit a state plan already. And then we wouldn't be where we are right now. But again, uh, we don't have to rehash all that because that's not what happened. I did not realize that. Yeah, yeah. So that's been a really big issue. So the NCDA right now doesn't necessarily have authority to submit a state plan to USDA, and that's why we're in the place we're in right now. Wow. Oh, okay. Um, it, it working through these laws is like a horrible jigsaw puzzle where you yeah. put all pieces together, but they're all moving parts, and then you have something like the. 2019 Farm Act, where there are some things that were very controversial, some things that were not, some that might have hurt part of the industry, some that would move things forward, and they were all in this one, this one bill. Do um, well before I ask this next question, can, can you go talk a little bit about the uh, what you're hearing from growers as far as what what they want right now, or or maybe just their frustrations? Yeah, I think I think if people for the folks of who I have been hearing from, I think if we could move forward in the way that a lot of people would like to, it would be to stay under our pilot program for another year. Because basically what's happening right now is if we end up under USDA's um, plan or under their program, it would be under their interim final rule. Once they finalize a rule, which I expect to happen, um, I think early 2021, but it'll be sometime in 2021, you're going to end up under their final rule anyway. So right now, one potential is we could be under our pilot program, then we move under USDA's interim final rule, and then under their final rule. And again, I don't know what the changes will be between the interim rule and the final rule. I won't know until USDA um, makes that public, and right until that's complete, and they publish it in the Federal Register. But if we're allowed to stay under our pilot program, and let's say the pilot program was extended until 2021, we could potentially move from our pilot program and then go under USDA's final rule, or we could stand our pilot program if the general 
General Assembly were to get together next year in 2021 and pass something allowing NCDA to submit a state plan, then potentially we can move from a pilot program right into our state plan. Would that be better? Is it, in your opinion, is it better to have a state plan as opposed to being under USDA federally? That's a good question. It partly depends on what the USDA's final rule looks like. Um, yeah, sure. But I, I think that is, I think that is potentially a goal that some people have. And I think that there are some growers who would prefer to do that because that way, you know, we've been doing this in North Carolina. This is our fourth growing season. Um, so we have certain processes in place and a certain knowledge. And in some ways I do think that that might be better if we could continue under our own state plan. It seems like, especially the state has been really friendly to hemp. And so it would make sense to try to continue those systems and just that workflow and the same people, um, as opposed to changing to, you know, maybe, I don't know if it's another team or, or just entirely different processes. Um, and I think people in the state want to keep things in the state, right? Like I think there's that kind of loyalty to our neighbors. Um, so that would be interesting. So um, can you talk about what you're hearing about the, uh, the, the NCDA and what they're trying to do to, to help, which, whichever way they, that they might be thinking could be, this could be amended? I know that they are working very hard to find a resolution to this. Again, I, I know that they're aware of, right. we just talked about all of the money and the effort and the time mm -hmm. that people put into this program. Um, and I am not in a position to speak for the NCDA. Sure. But I, I do know that they are trying to work out a resolution for everybody. So the question was, the being in this situation, not necessarily whether the hemp pilot program extends or whether we switch to USDA, but just, just this situation of uncertainty, does it create some after effect for the industry and whether that is maybe just mistrust, right, between uh, amongst growers towards the government or does it possibly create an illegal market of people that want to go in the back country somewhere and grow without a license just to not have to deal with, with, uh, with this or uh, maybe does it force people to leave just because they can't plan? I'm just curious what you think about that and, and what, what are the possible repercussions that we don't see immediately? I, I think that's right. I do think that some of the biggest challenges to the industry, first of all, you know, we all know that last year in the fall, we had a glut of CBD in the market. And so prices dropped. And around that exact same time, because again, USD's interim final rule came out in October. And that also created a lot of uncertainty. And so I do think that a big piece of what would be hindering them, um, the industry right now in terms of, yeah, it's just exactly what you said, is people not knowing and we don't know how to plan. And then it's really hard that you don't know about. And as you said, 2020 has been the year of that. But if you were a grower or even if you're a processor, having uncertainty in the law is not necessarily a good thing right now because how do you plan around whether you, if you don't know if you're going to be able to grow something or not, and there's been so many changes in the law with hemp. I, I am, again, this is where I am hopeful. You know, I knew once the USDA's interim final rule came out that we would be in this sort of like rocky situation. I thought maybe for two until things settled out and we had the USDA's final rule. 
we are in the first year of that rocky period. And it, it is rough, it's really uncomfortable. And I think you're right, I do think that some people will leave the industry um, because it's it's too hard. And again, it's it happened last fall, right at the same time as we, everybody kind of figured out at the same time that there's a glut in the market in terms of TV and prices drop. That didn't just happen in North Carolina, that was happening nationwide. And I think the pandemic, you know, the pandemic for everybody in some way, it, everybody's experiencing a little bit differently, but certainly the world is very different in February. And yeah, anytime you don't have certainty about what's going to happen, it's not just uncomfortable for people, but it's in terms of a business, it's much harder to plan. So I, I do have concerns about that. I am hopeful though that after, you know, if the USDA's final rule comes out in 2021, let's say if it takes us a year or two under that new rule to really work through all of the kinks in the system and get different processes in place, I'm hopeful that after that two-year period, so maybe by 2023, things will really level out. I think the people who are still in the business um, and have been able to maintain their businesses through this really rough period, my hope for them is that they will be successful and that they will do well. And I think at that point, you know, of all the people who have dropped out in the interim, if people want to come back into, into the industry, my hope is that it will be easier um, to be successful at that point. That's my, that's my personal hope. I, I yeah. believe in this industry. Um, I really do want people to be successful. Yeah, and, uh, I certainly know that you, you fight you know, you're, you're a professional, but uh, in a way you're, you seem to be an advocate and you probably wouldn't say that, but, um, I, I would not say that. I'm a student. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, but you certainly believe in the people that are in the industry and you do a lot of work on, and your peers, uh, as well. So, um, and I'm sure that there are people working in the backgrounds. Um, there's still just that, like, you know, like what's, what's going to happen. This is really concerning. And for me as a, as a processor, it's not, the immediate concern, I think, is just the concern about like what will happen later, whether we might not have access to great quality products. You know, like if, if people that are growing really amazing flour, if they leave, then probably said that that uh, impacts further down the line for us as a processor and for the consumer as well. So, and a whole bunch of other, you know, black mirror scenarios in there that hopefully don't come to fruition. So, but I know that there are a lot of people working in the background. Is there Anything that the, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, how, because you said your first part as an extractor is not what's happening right now. Where does that fall on your list of concerns? Um, I think this is more of a, a, a time issue of maybe sometime next year uh, about the, the amount of inventory and the quality of the inventory left in the market. And because obviously we want something that we don't produce, you know, 10 million pounds a day. We're a, a small processor. We like the quality, we like the relationships. And so if we are not able to get access to that, either we have to go out of state, which so far 90 plus percent of the, of the flour that we've, or actually hundred percent of the flour that we've purchased has been in state. So we'd like to keep that. Uh, but then also going out of state creates a whole bunch of other challenges between interstate um, you know, transportation and costs and uh, the trust of people that, you know, you haven't met very much. So, you know, we, we're building a network here. Um, so 
all those things are concerns, but maybe just now that's not my primary concern yet. It's like, I don't know, maybe fifth down the line. Okay. So there are obviously some major concerns in spots one through four. And then I would also ask you the same question you asked me, what are you hearing from the folks who you buy from? Um, there's, <laughs> so there's some folks that say like, oh, whatever, like it'll, it'll get fixed. Um, and then there are some folks that are maybe this year they didn't do as well as they had hoped they would. Um, thinking of somebody in particular who got into it, into growing, uh, I think it was last year, uh, with promises of richdom and, you know, they were going to have the King Midas touch and they were going to be driving Bentleys and whatnot. And uh, that didn't exactly happen for a number of reasons, but one, just the, their competition, they, they didn't have a competition plan or a way to, to sell the product in the quantities that they were growing. Um, and so then this year they were hoping to, uh, with some lessons learned to, you know, make to change and, and scale down their operation and you know, possibly be profitable this year. And then now they're concerned that uh, they, they're getting close to their goal, but then they might not be able to continue. And so then well, what, if, what was all this effort in the past couple of years for if I might not be able to continue down the line? Um, so that, that's a little bit of what I'm hearing. And the issue about continuing has to do with the licensing and the law? Or mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So just the question of, well, what am I going to do with my license? Or, or you know, how can, I, how can I get a license? Or will I get a license? And just that unknown of what, how, how do I, what's the, the permission way to grow? How do I do right. that? Right. So it sounds like we're hearing the same things. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, you should do the podcast like you should be the one asking questions on the next one so i'll let you know when like if i'm on vacation or sick i could say hey marnie take over the podcast i could do the guest spot wait a minute <laughs> if i remember correctly i think last time what did you ask me oh no 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 we're gonna skip that <laughs> but the question was if you if you had a million dollars what or or who in the industry would you invest in and you said wait i get a million dollars <laughs> We can, we can talk about that later. No, so, you're, you're, you're a, public, a state employee. You're, you're not allowed to <laughs> receive remuneration from the public. Um, let's see. So um, is there anything that the public can do uh, or, or us in the industry? Yeah, if people want to take some sort of action, um, the things that I would recommend at this point, especially because we have this continuing resolution that is in play in Congress, and again, it passed on the House side, but it's going to the Senate. I would say contact um, your senators and tell them what's going on and let them know that you are in favor of extending the pilot program. I know, and the other piece uh, that we haven't talked about is the USDA did reopen their comment period on their interim final rule. It is open, I believe, until October 8th. Um, so that gives folks about, what is it, two weeks now if they want to submit comment. The way that USDA opened their comment period this time is if you already submitted a comment, they're not necessarily looking for those same comments to be resubmitted. When they posted this a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, they said we're looking for more information and specifically they want data. They want really specific, clear scientific data about very specific points. And I, I did post about that. Um, okay. They can find that on the extension website. 
but they were looking for information about very specific areas at this point. But I would say if folks want to comment, if they have additional information, additional data to provide, certainly submit your comments to USDA. But the mo I think right now, you know, you could potentially reach out to NCDA if, if folks wanted to, but the other piece really would be to talk to representatives in Congress and let them know why it's important for the pilot program to be extended until 2021 and how that's going to impact your business. Okay, great. Yeah, I think uh, stories are good. Uh, I think facts are good. Uh, I think um, the calling people by name and expletives, those are probably not good comments that they will probably be thrown to the side. Right. So, um, yeah, and I think, um, didn't, uh, I think Blake Butler put out a statement um, to contribute for the, for, for the, those comments, I believe, uh, with the, in, in, in oh geez, North and Carolina. Yeah. Yes. Association. Thank you. Yes. Now known as the South Siha. Siha, Southeast. Yeah. Not Southeastern, Southeast. Southeast, sorry. Blake, sh Blake shut me down on the podcast when I, I said Southeastern. He's like, no, 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 Jace. Southeast. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, check that out on, on their website. Um, or um, I, I believe you can sign up for their email newsletter and they've sent out uh, their, uh, their sort of template for comments. Uh, so all right well i think that covers a lot um and uh, so as always thank you if someone wants to either learn more about you or wants to get in touch with you how can they do that so there are two ways they can email me directly at macoit at ncsu.edu again it's macoit at ncsu.edu or you can also email the whole industrial hemp team through extension at NC State at industrialhemp at ncsu.edu. Okay, thank you very much. I'm happy to answer questions. Um, and again, we know that this is a really difficult time for, for folks who are growing in this industry. Yep. All right, well, Barney, thank you for what you do. Thank you for your team and uh, just all the work that you guys put into this. It's uh, sometimes maybe you don't hear it often but uh, we certainly appreciate it um, and thank you for taking the time to meet here I know you have to run here in a couple of minutes so uh, until next time thank you Jason thank you again for having me it's good yeah. to talk to you of course Bye. Hey guys, and before you go, this is Jason from Spectrum Labs. Please be sure to visit us on the web at thespectrumlabs.com for any show notes and links discussed in the podcast. Also, remember to click the subscribe button wherever you may be listening from so you get notified when our next episode comes out. And tune in next show and have a fantastic day.